You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you inspiration and resources to help you discover and live from your truest self. The Collected Podcast is a production of Collected Ministries, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping disciples of Jesus discover and live from their true identity in Christ, recognize and walk in their divine purpose within the kingdom of God, and experience growth in their capacity for mature, healthy relationships. Follow Collected on social media at Collected Ministries, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and additional content related to today's episode. Here's your host, Tia McNelly. You are listening to season three, episode two of The Collected Podcast. I am Tia McNelly, and unfortunately, I am not joined by our producer and co-host, Jess Biondo. You guys can be in prayer for her. Her house is flooding currently. We have record rainfalls in Charlotte, North Carolina today. Today, I am joined by Scott Erickson. I am so excited to have him on the show. He is uh, a painter. He is an artist, a storyteller, and he has released a book called Honest Advent. If you are watching our video, you can see here this incredible book. It is one that I think you're going to want to have in hand and not read digitally because it's such a beautiful work of art in and of itself. Scott, welcome to the Collective Podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Uh, maybe I can be your like co-host. I appreciate the that. Interview. We can co-host. Together. You know, we, we're in season three and I've never done an interview alone. So this is different for us for sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Let's just Tell me a little let's bit not about think of yourself. it as an interview. There you go. Let's, let's let's just think of it as two friends catching up. I've got my coffee. We'll just have coffee. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I am a professional artist, or I make my living as one, which when I say that to people, they're always like, oh, cool. I don't know what that means. So uh, the way I describe it is I spend my time uh, doing a number of things. I, I, make, I do a lot of things to make something. So I, okay. I'm an il- illustrator, a painter, um, a visual artist. I'm an author of a few books, and, so, and I'm working on another one, and so that's part of my practice. And then I'm also a, a public speaker, and a touring uh, performance artist. Very and cool. Not right, not right now because of COVID. But um, so there's kind of always like a mix of things going on inside of me, which is like, uh, how would I illustrate that idea? And then, oh yeah, what's? And then I'm collecting like book ideas. And then I'm collecting like, and then I'm like working on talks and things like wow. that. Wow. So that's a. Uh, it keeps it keeps me it keeps my ADD in check, which is nice. You know? <laughs> Do you know the Enneagram? Are you familiar with the Instagram? Yeah. What are you? Mm-hmm. Do you know your number? I'm, I'm a four three wing. Would have called yeah. that in a minute. Just as long as we've been <laughs> on this call, I would have said you were a four, no doubt. I'm a three awesome. wing four. So we have Oh, there we go. Yeah, kind of similar traits there. That's awesome. We, ma- we make a bridge over that river we of do. Sad- sadness, I guess. <laughs> the, the bridge between <laughs> sadness and getting crap done. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's so good. So we have this extraordinary book that I am just dying to dive into. I've already read the introduction, and I'm making myself wait to read it during Advent with my family. Yeah, so tell me a yeah. little bit about what led you to write Honest Advent. Well, it. I found myself in a place four years ago, not too different than what we are in now, which was after a long and exhausting uh, presidential election cycle. Um, We were seeing really devastating images from Syria and seeing Mm. thousands of people displaced. We had had multiple mass shootings. There was the Zika virus, uh, Flint water crisis, a lot of things. Yeah. And I, I remember walking into a store, I think it was a Target or a CVS, I'm not sure what one, but... I just remember like walking in and the blanket of Christmas decorations had descended upon all mm-hmm. of Western Western society. Yep. And uh, 
I just had this like visceral feeling, which was, and I'm a big fan of Christmas. And this might seem weird for some of the viewer listeners, but uh, I like the brand of Christmas. Like there's definitely a brand of Christmas. Oh, no doubt. Um, And I like it, but I just was seeing this brand and going, this feels completely irrelevant to the world I find myself in. Yeah. Like, uh, and not just like, the overly done Santa story. Like I like Santa and all that. I, I do think when you go on Netflix, you're like, how many Santa movies are there? And what kind of technology do they have in the North Pole? Like, <laughs> we should get some of that. It's very advanced <laughs> up there. But uh, but even like the imagery from my own Christian tradition, uh, uh, it's beautiful, but a lot of it just felt really like safe and sanitized. Mm-hmm. And it, it just felt void of like really being a human story. Yeah. At, le- at least the grittiness of being a human, you know, mm-hmm. and everything had been like kind of polished over. And I, uh, my deepest longing was really like, you know, Jesus, like where, where do we, how do we find you in our midst? Cause I guess the question that was proposed to me was like, well, is Christmas a, is it a memorial service or is it a birthday party? If a memorial service means it happened long ago and you know, we just remember when that happens is what right. we're celebrating. But a birthday party infers that it's still going on today. And if you go to yeah. any church and ask kids what's whose birthday is it on Christmas, they're like, it's Jesus's birthday. So there, we're teaching our children that it's still happening. Mm. And my and I was like, how are you still incarnating in the world now? And um, I'm not a woman, but I'm married to one, and I uh, have witnessed three pregnancies and births up close. And what has stood out to me is as as a witness and participant in those is that birth is, yes, wonderful and transformational and a beautiful thing, but it's also very uh, painful mm-hmm. and risky and it's got a lot of fluids involved as well. And <laughs> it's, it's quite nothing, messy. It's yeah. No, it's quite messy <laughs> and it's nothing close to being sanitized. Right. And, um, and just as I started, I felt invited to that, 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 that the divine incarnated into our world through the way that we all have to, which is through vulnerability, Mm -hmm. which is through weakness. And so I started looking at um, the avenues of human vulnerability that, uh, that the people involved in the nativity story would find themselves in. And then what we find ourselves in, because one of my teaching muses is the only reason we're talking about any of these stories from the Bible still is because they're still happening today. Right. They're not just stories back then. They're stories that are happening right now. By telling those stories, it illuminates that God is still in our midst today. I love that. And so I started like honest advent, Uh, My friend Hillary McBride endorsed it. She's a doctor of psychology. And I love her endorsement because she said, this isn't really a Christmas book at all. It's really a book about just being human. And I agree, it is. It's about human vulnerability. It's just using these few chapters in the Bible that we call the nativity story as the kind of like filter to look at all this through. Um, Like it is meditating on Christ's incarnation, but also like, as we are doing now, like we have all incarnated, we all were unseen and then became seen and had to, and had, and became seen through uh, the vulnerability of being a human. Mm. And, and, and and I would submit that where we find Christ still in our midst today 
specifically, especially in this season under a pandemic and all this stuff is, it's going to be through our weaknesses and vulnerabilities. I love that. We'll find Christ Mm -hmm. right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So I, you don't know this, but in a former life, I was a labor and delivery nurse and I still work very closely um, with team pregnancy through Flourish Kenya. I'm on the founding board of directors and we were tackling team pregnancy in rural Kenya. So the, the idea of pregnancy and childbirth is something that is very dear to me. And so I am loving the, the shift of focus to this woman having a child. Mm-hmm. So you you sort of alluded to having a close look at that yourself in this life. And so looking at that in the nativity scene, talk to me about what you discovered as you kind of zoomed in on the pregnancy and birth scenario in the Advent story. Yeah, yeah when we were pitching the book proposal around, one publisher was like, what does this guy have to say about pregnancy? Why is a guy doing drawings I love it. about pregnancy? And I was like, "You're." I mean, granted, yeah, I'm not trying to take any but any any woman's perspective or her place in her narrative but i have been a witness to those up close yeah. i've witnessed as a husband to uh to watch the journey of my wife uh become a mother mm-hmm. and i have i witnessed when my children came out into the world mm-hmm. which made me a father yeah. and i and i pay, i was bearing witness to those thresholds mm-hmm. and those transformations and the lack of feeling prepared for those thresholds and all of that. And so uh, for me, I wanted to bear witness. There is a, and I don't talk about this in the book, but uh, maybe a little bit in the intro that you read. Um, But I also do think that I, I am part of a tradition that most of the imagery depicting this were created by men. Mm-hmm. And so I do think that there was like a uncomfortability with female biology sure. that necessitated this kind of sanitization. And also I've come out of a faith tradition that uh, is very wary of female biology mm-hmm. from even just like the Old Testament story of God going, you have a period, but you still have to go outside the camp, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. And then to even uh, people use be like, passages to diminish the voice of women mm-hmm. in our communities. And then I grew up specifically in a in a culture that was like, hey, you're too sexy for me to uh, ride in a car with or an elevator alone because I want to have sex with you. So we have to be afraid of... So there's this yeah. all this putting... There's all this like... Um, uh, marginalizing of the female body in the faith tradition that I've been a part of. And I want to go, no, no. And and I can see that men have done that. And I want to be a man who can go, I'm not trying to take away from some woman telling her experience, but I want to counter the flow that has constantly diminished female biology. Because right here in the text, right here in the story, we see that God coming into the world is through this, biology is through this life and 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 I and in fact unless unless the uh, movie uh what is it junior no what was the movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger where he has he gets pregnant oh uh, gosh I know what you're talking you about but I don't remember the name it's not Mr. Mom that's Michael Keaton dang it I thought it was junior maybe it's something like I don't that. remember anyways, you know what I'm talking about anyways all that to say every human ever has come through the 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 biology of a woman right. the womb of a woman and so um this is this is my witness to that. I love that. Uh, yeah, 
Did that answer? Yeah, it did. Absolutely. And you had kind of touched on that before. So I wanted to talk to some about the illustrations in the book. As I said before, I mean, it truly is a work of art of a paperback book. Like I did not expect Mm. what I found inside and I absolutely love your Instagram feed. Um, So talk to me a little bit about this sort of like spare, uh, it's like three color, I guess, if you count the background art that you've created and, and what goes into that process for you? Well, <laughs> why it's only like it's two color, black and gold. Okay. Uh, and then you can frame out some of the page color. Yeah. Oh no, there's a tan in there. You're right. There's, so there's like a colors. like a grayish kind. There's of. like a gray. Yeah. You're right. Something. There's a gray. So um, that is the limitations that my publisher gave me uh, for oh. one. <laughs> and you know, like they're like we're only, you only get three colors. Um, it works. I love and, it. And and, I, and actually, that is kind of the color scheme of my stuff. Mostly, anyways, there's a there's a good rule in creativity, which is the best stuff gets made with limitations. Mm. So, I find in my own journey as an illustrator and a painter to go like, just because I can use every color doesn't mean I should, right? Um, uh, because actually, like limiting yourself can make things. You can go deeper into the what is there versus like I can use everything in, at my disposal. So That's, that'll um, preach. So I there's feel that. Like. <laughs> there's that, and then. Um, I intentionally wanted to make something that looks nothing like Christmas mm-hmm. because I think for me to um, grab or awaken to the wonder mm-hmm. of Christmas again, which I feel like I had lost a bit, um, I needed to create a visual vocabulary that looked nothing like the juggernaut of the Christmas brand right. that I know of. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted not to like counter it or go, we need to get rid of this. I just wanted to sidestep that whole conversation and go, let's not ever have anything that looks like winter in this, you know, Mm -hmm. because it was in the middle East and it for one, and then, um, (laughs) it was not cold. Yeah. And like (laughs) reds and greens and, you know, just, yeah, it's for me as a, as a designer and an illustrator, I'm very aware of like the brand of it all. Right. And I just was like, I want to make something that looks nothing like Christmas so that I can help see the story outside of all the assumed narratives of what this story means. Right. And by doing that, like it helped me to just kind of see it from a different perspective. And and I'm tooting my own horn, but I, I've got some feedback that I know that I accomplished that. Yeah. N- not only f- for me, like I it brought about wonder in me and I'm really proud of it, but like probably my favorite compliment is this uh, uh, this woman was like, I have preached Advent for 20 years and Scott pointed out things that I've never thought of. Wow. And I was like, wow, that is, that is. I love uh, it. I will, I will pat myself on the back for that one. That's so good. You know, because that, that was what I needed to do was mm-hmm. just go, what, like a good design rules are like constantly confront the cliche. What is the assumption about this story? What is the assumption about what this means? Yeah. And then just like go deeper and deeper and deeper. What's the thing behind the thing, yes. behind the thing, behind the thing, you know? And so for me as a visual artist, to accompany or to help me with those thoughts and those meditations, I needed to have uh, like images to be my Sherpa up the summit of this new mountain, I guess like that. Yeah. That's, that's, they're, they're like helpful guides to, 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 to see things differently, I guess for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you use very little to say a lot in every single one of your mm-hmm. images. It's interesting how much you can, how much symbolism you can pack into one image. And I feel like you're when I'm scrolling through Instagram, that's how I know you 
now. Yeah. So like when I'm, and I just come to a dead stop to try to digest and process what I'm yeah. seeing in those images. So folks, you have to, mm-hmm. it's Scott the Painter, right? Scott the Scott Painter, the yeah. yeah. You guys have to follow him. Yeah. So I'm thinking a little bit about how, you know, you said you walked into a retail store at Christmas time after a really trying election with hard things going on in the world. I literally did that today and Christmas smacked me in the head. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like Christmas doesn't look like it always did this year, you know? No, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. And so I think this is a very fitting time for this book to release. The Lord absolutely knew what he was doing. And yeah. so in this time of, I feel like, mounting troubles in the world, in our country, um, and there's a lot of dissension, a lot of loss of hope. I know a lot of the country is probably feeling that. Some of us may be feeling more hope at this point. Yeah. But, you know, what— why should we continue to hope even in this time of trouble in the Christmas season ahead? Mm. Well, <laughs> I mean, obviously Jesus, that, right? But that is that is the the question, right? Why would I? How does Christmas still offer th- us hope? Can I really quick? Yeah, this is my favorite part of of any podcast because right now I don't have a, a set response for your question. Which I love. Because when you do podcasts, yeah, so right now we're going to figure this out together, okay. which is, is the magic of podcasting. Here's what I would say. Um, and it just like left my head. It's no, okay. It's okay. <laughs> like, why, so why we do Advent, Advent is just a, a, a structure mm-hmm. given to, like to make, you know, out of the void of, time and space mm-hmm. to give like, just go like, what about for, it's like to give a season. Yeah. So the season is to meditate on like Christ coming in our midst or, you know, and um, I think for a lot of us, let me know. I'll just speak for myself. As a person who's grown, been involved in church most of his life, yeah. I, and as a, pre, as like, a, and I've been a pastor and mm-hmm. I've worked on staff at churches. You got to understand that like most pastors uh, get really tired of Christmas. I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> and Easter, because they're like trying to, maybe not Easter so much, but they're like, they're trying to take this thing and just trying to find something new every mm-hmm. time. And I think what has been disheartening for me or um, hard for me in the last few years is that I, I stopped understanding like the hype of Easter and the hype of Christmas, meaning like they're always like, uh, you know, uh, Lent is like, oh, death, death, death. And then like, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. And yet we go to church and like, okay, well, where is he? And then like Advent is like, he's not born yet, he's not born. He's born, he's born, he's born. And then you're like, okay, well, where is he? Like we don't, because because God is invisible in some ways. Right. And, and God is, uh, and like, uh, I mean, I have had encounters with a living Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And that is why I am a follower of that. Uh, but I think there's this kind of like, I need to see it. Right. I'm, I'm wanting to see it. And here's here's where I think we can have hope. I, I think I think we think what our deepest question is, is does God exist or not? Yeah. And I actually don't think that's our deepest question. I think our deepest question is, is God in the midst of all of this? Right. Like my life, your life, the minutia. Mm-hmm and details of an everyday human life, which the other way to say that is, is God good? Mm. Because a God that's not involved is callous and cold and distant. 
But a good God means that God is among us. Mm-hmm. Emmanuel. One of the things, yeah, yeah, Emmanuel. And one of the things that's changed for me, um, partly just the existential deconstruction, mm-hmm. you know, rebirth of my faith in my late thirties. Also, training as a spiritual director, and I've written a couple books with my friend Justin McRoberts. But in our prayer books, uh, we submit that we're like, prayer is not getting God's attention. That's like voodoo. You know, that's like pots and pans. And like, hey, did you see it? Prayer is awakening to the voice and work of God already in mm-hmm. your life. And I would say what spirituality is, is the same. Spirituality is not trying to get God to see you. Right. Spirituality is to, like paying attention mm-hmm. to how God is already involved in your life. Bringing awareness to that, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think maybe why we feel so like uh, there's a great book by Johan Hari called Lost Connection. And he talks a lot about it's his nine reasons why depression happens. Mm-hmm. But one of them is that there's a loss of a hopeful future. And we are in that spot right now. I know some news came out about vaccines and stuff, but like uh, we don't know when this pandemic's going to end. Some of us don't know when we're going to get jobs again. Yeah. There's a lot of unknowns that we're not able to make plans for mm-hmm. or control. Mm-hmm. So we're left with our vulnerabilities. And I think often the place we find security and faith is in our plans and in our accomplishment. Mm -hmm. And where we're being asked to connect with God now is in our weaknesses and vulnerabilities, which has kind of always been the thing. Like if you look at Jesus's ministry, everybody who connects with Jesus connects through a vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Nicodemus comes to him at night and is like, I I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) And Jesus is like, you're like the leader of the land. He's like, yeah, I still don't get it. You know, uh, a centurion comes to him and is like, I'm a powerful person, but I can't heal this servant of mine. A woman comes to him and is like, nobody can do anything. I can't control my body and it's sick and I can't stop it. Zacchaeus comes to him and is like, somehow I became a traitor to my country, country and I don't know what to do. So, just like everybody involved in the Jesus story, so we're involved with that. So I think the places of vulnerability that we're we're just we're being issued into like a way that maybe is uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. is very necessary. So we can come and be like, "Wow, so many things have been uncovered about our country mm-hmm. that are unsettling and hard. How do I love my neighbor, Jesus? Right. How, um, how do I stand for truth and justice in a really odd time?" Yeah. Uh, Things used to work a certain way and now they don't. And I'm not quite sure to where to find my footing. I love that you guys talk about identity and stuff. Mm-hmm. Was our identity in like what we got safe in or was our identity something deeper? Right. You know, and so I and so I think those are the places that we can begin to have hope. The hope is not in like the plan, mm-hmm. how it's all gonna work out. Mm-hmm. I think the hope is in 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 um experiencing goodness. Yeah which is experiencing intentionality and with yes. with usness. That is so That's good. where I think that's where I think the hope can be found. I love that. Because we'll keep living our lives and once again there'll be another time where the future's unknown. Right. And some of our comfortabilities will be taken away. Yep. And all and all of that. That's my hope I I miss <laughs> <laughs> admittingly I miss and I don't miss church. Uh, <laughs> same I miss same same. I miss, yeah. <laughs> Um, and there's a lot of reasons on both sides for that, but I, I think one of my hopes for when we do get back together is that what will have happened during this time is we actually had to begin to trust 
the portal that was that is in with that's within all of us yeah. that can connect with God. Yeah. Like I think a lot of times it's easy to go to this service or meet with a charismatic leader or listen to a teacher you like and like use that as a and then it's fine, but use that as the way like, well, they're speaking truth, so I can understand that truth. But we all need to come down, come, you know, quiet down and go, do I actually trust this? I like to call it like the telephone, uh-huh. you know, like when I'm talking to people, I'm like, where, who gave you the telephone to talk to God <laughs> that's in you? Right. And they're like, nobody. And I'm like, okay. So it was already in there. Mm-hmm. So do you think you have to give that telephone to somebody else? Right. Or do you think what you're supposed to do is be alongside people and go, hey, do you ever answer that phone yeah, in you? That's good. I love that. <laughs> do you, what is the, does that ever, it rings in me. Does it ring in you? Yeah. Like, what are your, you know what I'm saying? I really like less that, about, that symbol of the telephone. That's yeah. good. I'm keeping that. Yeah. Because I, I, you know, like I come from a family of missionaries and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I definitely know that there has been some really good things and some like, you know, mm-hmm. not so great things in the mission no world, doubt. which was like, you need to have the thing we're bringing to you. Oof. And I think there's a very different way of coming at life as a, as a faithful person, which is like, how can I just find where God's already at work mm-hmm. in every person I meet? Yep. And trust that the same phone I discovered in me that connects me with the Spirit yes. is in them too, mm-hmm. waiting to be awakened or answered. Yeah. And how can I help them answer that? That, yeah. that that's, I think, the. You hit on I think something that. That brings endless opportunities for me. Totally. Then. Like I see, like in life, then you're like, oh, the, the world is ripe with amazing phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's something that. When when we talk about offense at Collected, we like to kind of offer honor as an antidote, where if we can mm. choose to see the good in someone and trust that they're picking up the phone and that they yeah. are on the phone having communication with the Lord and trust the Holy Spirit in the other person and that, yeah. that they intend good things for, this, for the kingdom mm-hmm. as well, yeah. we can kind of reign that spirit of offense back in. And so yeah. that I think that's where trusting Christ in others is what came to mind yeah. as you were saying that. That's, Ooh, yeah. that's super good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, absolutely. so I kind of want to um, dig in a little bit more into your story if you're okay with that. Yeah, um, that's fine. How, how did you know that you had discovered the work that God intended you to do for His kingdom on this earth? When? When like, and how? how? Did I know? Yeah, like, like <laughs> how'd that happen? Uh, well, that's still an ongoing conversation. I think I um, it's it was never a moment, although there have been some moments mm-hmm. of like, oh, I should adjust. I I sense an invitation. Yeah, uh, I studied as a high school teacher and I taught high school art for a couple of years. Awesome. Um, when I was 27. So I was a teacher. I was a waiter part-time because I hardly made enough as a teacher. And then I would, and then I had a life, but I would, every week I'd take a, I had a, a studio space, this little tiny room in an attic of a church that they let me use. And I would, I was practicing painting because I knew to be an artist is to at least like come to the conclusion that you're invited to some kind of practice. Yeah. And so you, if you want to be an artist, like you just have to say yes to that practice. You're committing to this kind of like dance or conversation or practice. Mm-hmm. 
So even though it wasn't my vocation at the time, I knew I needed to like make space for that practice. So I was, Uh, but I uh, was like, I remember in my prep period, I was writing on the board. I was 27 years old and I stopped and I was like, there's something else I'm being invited to. I'm not really sure what it is, but I can just, I can sense it. And I went to New York two weeks later uh, to visit some friends, met a bunch of artists and all of this stuff. And, and on that flight back, I just remember, I just, I realized I was like, if I never, if I never try to be an artist, I'll always regret it. Wow. Whatever that means. I'm not even sure what that means. And I, and I sensed the spirit say to me, tell me what you want to do and I'll bless it. Wow. And I, I said, okay, I want to be a full-time artist. I want to work at a church as an artist. I want to fight evil, meaning I want to do, I want my work to not just be like, right. Well, I want it to be a part of like, Justice. Important yeah, things. Yeah, yeah justice yeah. and things like that. And then the last one was, I want to go on tour with a band and make paintings during shows. I love that. It got really specific. And within two years, all of that happened. Wow. Now, I quit teaching and kept waiting tables to make some more space for that. Mm-hmm. This, I got a new space to make art in. These interesting connections started happening. Like a guy I knew started working for World Vision. And then he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm doing this live painting stuff. He's like, come and raise money for AIDS orphans, you know? And then, and then a friend of mine became like a, a, a early 2000s semi-famous Christian music star. And he's like, do you want to go on tour with me and make paintings during shows? And I was like, yes, you know? And so all that kind of stuff happened. That's wild. And I think, and then yeah, and then there's been like ebbs and flows with that. I think it was actually around 10 years later, 10 or 11 years later in my late 30s. I'm in my early 40s now. But uh, I found myself unemployed while I was laid off from a design agency. And I lived in Portland, Oregon. And uh, I just, I was at a spot where that conversation came back up again. Mm-hmm. I had done artistry. I'd done like live painting, co- conferences, churches. I ended up working at a church as an artist uh, and that was wonderful. I burned out from that job, but I did it for like three years. I went and worked for World Vision. I went and worked at a design agency. And then I found myself like, I got laid off from this agency because of their own problems. And I, the conversation that came back up was like, am I still called to be an artist? Like during this time, I had always made a space to practice. Right. It. But it was, am I called to be an artist? Not as just a person, but as a vocation mm. again. And the answer was yes. And so I had to... I guess I, what happened is I took those kind of last 10 years mm-hmm. and I said, what do you want to do now? And um, usually where you find your voice is in obscurity. This conversation happened in a basement with no windows uh, where they usually kept the trash once a week. Like my <laughs> friends at this church gave me this basement space and I made a little studio out of it. And I just down there. And not in a bad way, but I was just like, nobody cares what you're doing. Like, you're not mm-hmm. involved in anything. Nobody's watching you. But in obscurity, you go, the, the question is, is, well, what do you want to talk about? Mm-hmm. You're not influenced by anything else. What do you want to talk mm-hmm. about? And I remember just thinking, like, I hate how we talk about God. <laughs> <laughs> like, most of the way that people talk about God just, it, like, doesn't make sense anymore to me. Yeah. So I want to talk about God differently. Mm-hmm. Or at least different than the the Western culture I find myself in. Yeah. It turns out there's lots of people who felt the same right. thing. Right. And there's all kinds of ways of talking about it. Sure. That. I was and I was like, and I don't really like the imagery mm-hmm. that's associated with this tradition. So I wanna up I wanna context I wanna make new stuff. Yeah. I wanna do things like that. And um 
And like, I also want to talk about a spiritual life um, that is very aware of my own kind of cra- crassness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, uh, like uh, so I have a show called uh, Say Yes, A Liturgy of Not Giving Up on Yourself. And it's about suicide. It's about the spectrum of suicide. Okay. It's a it's a tough subject. Yeah. And I wanted to make it because I've never been to a church service about suicide. Right. And I was like, if you were to make one, what would you make mm-hmm. it like? And one of the first things I say in it, <laughs> and I know we just meant, you'll, you'll roll with it. <laughs> I just go, hey, uh, what we know about life is that life is this mixture of uh, sacred moments and dick jokes. And <laughs> the thing... Now, the thing is, is that you can't go to the comedy club and be too sacred. Right. Because they're like, that's not the place for this. And you can't go to the sacred place and be too crass because that's not the place for that either. Right. But I think when we go to either one of those places, we wish it was a little bit more because we understand that we're a little bit more. Yeah. And so tonight, for the conversation we got to have, we're going to have to make a space for the little bit more. Right. And and that was my way of saying, like, to talk about, because suicide, especially if you're of in a faith, if you have any faith, it's weird to go like life's a miracle, but God, I don't want my miracle anymore. Yeah. It's a yeah. it's a tough conversation. And there's an aspect I know this will resonate with you and listening. Like sometimes I feel like the spiritual communities I'm in, they like uh cut off a lot of the human parts of mm-hmm, being a human mm-hmm. to, and they only talk about humanity kind of in the sphere. And you're like, yeah, but there's all these like <laughs> realities. Other parti- yeah. other realities and particular particularities that are involved in a human yeah. life. And what I what I think has really happened that I think is uh devastating to a, a spiritual life is my friend Paul says it best. He goes, We're baby stepping to a divided life. Mm. It's just like these constant, like, here's who I am as like a church person or a spiritual person, here's who I am and just like at a non, yeah. you know, and we just start this like division. And this happens a lot with like spiritual leaders Mm -hmm. who end up like having these kind of big moral failures and stuff because they're not allowed to be them. They're human, messy, human crass selves or or they'll lose their job. Mm -hmm. And as a spiritual director, I talk with a lot of women and men who feel this pressure. It's, you know, we've set the whole thing up to be devastating for ministers, which is unfortunate, but like, yeah, I, I wanted, I don't know where this goes, Mm -hmm. But I, and like where it lands, because often, like I've performed at a comedy club and I've performed in churches and I'm like, I don't, maybe it's just neutral spaces, but I want to, so I want to talk about God differently. I want to make art and I want to talk about a spiritual life that actually encompasses what it feels like to be a human Mm -hmm. and a spirit and doing that together. And when we try to, go ahead. Oh no. And yeah, and that, that moment, and then that's where like, a lot of the stuff that I've done in the last few years has came from. I love it. Is trying to be that honest. It really yeah. challenges me because I've gone through, this is just like, we're in therapy now. Are you cool with that setting? <laughs> yeah, welcome, welcome right, everybody. Yes. So <laughs> I have really, in the last year or two, been on this journey of tr- becoming more vulnerable publicly. And it's mm. also been the most private few years of my entire life as I've walked through trauma therapy. So like Hmm. finding this correct venue for the true authentic Tia McNally is very difficult because I find myself, sometimes I'll want to share something and I'm like, "Mm, that's off brand, you know, like, uh, but what, so should, should I have to be on brand as a Christian? 
leader. What you're saying, uh, off brand, exactly. I realized I was like, just like Christmas brand, I was like, oh, there's a brand Mm -hmm. of Christianity Mm -hmm. that is just purely a brand. But it's BS. it's not it's, real. Yeah, it's just a it's just a brand that was created, yes. and people are like, no, no, no. That's what Christianity is. You're like, no, because mm-hmm. if you've gone and met, I <laughs> this became. I, luckily, I learned this as a teenager, but I remember going to France and visiting, and I went and hung out with this youth group, and then after youth group, we went to a a bar and had. Uh, like a beer or wine. <laughs> I was like 16. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not able I don't feel to like drink. I'm supposed what? to do this. <laughs> you know, but from the American Christianity that I was in, it was like, well, that would be sinful because it's against the law and all this right. stuff. But it's like, there were all, everybody was of age. There was no abuse there. Right. That was just like what they did. They just went, we had like a glass of wine. We talked. Right. French love to talk for hours and hours and hours. You know, so it's just like, oh, there's a brand of my spirituality that maybe I don't resonate with anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I think what's hard for people is they're like, you would be like, well, if I get rid of the brand, am I also getting rid of my faith? And no, right. it's not. But they're so enmeshed that you don't really know. Um, also, like you don't really know which is which. And also, like our number one concern as human beings is safety and belonging. Right. And so anything that is not backing that mm-hmm. up feels very frightening well, sure to move away from safety and uh and belonging so and yeah, to take it a step further good. for i think for christians too even um approval and acceptance yep. and you yep. know and and maybe for some who have sunk their teeth so deeply into this christian brand um mm-hmm. that if they if they did step back from that they might find that that they do abandon their faith because their faith is actually not in the living God, in Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's in something entirely yeah. different. So that's a yeah. completely different conversation. But I love yes, it. that's good Can stuff. Can I give an example? Yes. My wife periodically will just put on like, uh, you know, worship yeah. music playing. And uh, <laughs> I'll just feel, it's not that I don't like that music. I, well, it is that I don't like that music. I was like, it's not that I don't like that it's worship music. I'm like, I, it's like, but it has said, you have to like this style of music mm-hmm. to worship mm-hmm. God in music. I was like, I don't even listen to music like this yeah. on my own. Yeah. But then to go, but this is the music that you listen to to connect with God. It's like, no, no, no. It's just a brand influenced by music companies and sales yes. and LLCC or whatever that is. You know, totally. like. You know, and just understanding that is like, then it's okay. There's a lot of the stuff I do like. Right. I'm just, it's just like when you go like, oh, it's just a brand. Right. It's just a brand thing. Yeah. And I think then people who offer other expressions of that mm-hmm. are like, oh, finally, yes, I'm not alone. Totally. That's why I think like Honest Advent or mm-hmm. even like, <laughs> it's such an interesting experience like teaching at churches and people will be like, that was so honest. <laughs> <laughs> That's a response. And I'm like, well, what are we supposed to be? So are doing you used right to now? dishonest or <laughs> yeah, like the 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 assumption is like we would just kind of just share twenty five percent of what we really think, you know? Like, yeah, I think you know, I knew I liked you, but this has definitely solidified that. Yeah, very very yeah. true. Well, so yeah. so what are you just kind of as we wrap up because we're running out of time? What are you currently working on that's kind of just for fun outside what you're responsible for? I know you're writing another book right now. You can tell us about that yeah. if you want, or like, what else are you working on? Sure, uh, the book is just 
my show say yes in a book form. Okay. So uh, that that is what I'm trying trying to take a talk and make it into a, a book. Got it. Uh, it's it's easy and difficult because a lot of what you communicate with your body or like in a live setting is gone. So you have to write that all out. Right. And then there's, and then you just can be like more, exp- the, uh, the it's, it's, you need to, you need to be more expansive and like when a talk, you can just kind of make statements and go on. Mm-hmm. You don't have to back everything mm-hmm. up, but a book, you have to back everything up. So I'm just doing that work. Um, right. Let's see a few things. Uh, the thing that I've been, just kind of doing it on my own. And it'll probably be like a book or a series one day. But like, that's fine. That's I know that's my practice. But um, I've just been looking through the Gospels at how people relate to Jesus through their vulnerability. Nice. And, oh, I love um, that. I'm just slowly, and, and really trying to go like, um, I'm less concerned mm-hmm. being super at, exegetical about passages. Mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. like, what's the root word? What's happening? Like, uh, we have the Bible project for that. Right. Like, <laughs> the most, and the, we thank watch you, their Bible YouTube project. Channel. <laughs> yeah. Tim and John, I know them. I used oh, to Oh, awesome. Them. They're great. Um, they're great. And do that. I'm much more of like, what's happening in this story, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and what is like the way to connect with it? And so I've just been, uh, like illustrating and um, just spending time with these like interactions with Jesus and finding like the common connection through a vulnerability. That's great. And, uh, and just that's been helpful for me. And then I've just been like, you know, keeping track of it. So I'm sure that'll turn into. I look forward to that. Yeah. It's been, it's been uh, surprising. It has been, it's been really neat. Um, So yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm working on. I'd like to, uh, I have, I've done a number of Stations of the Cross illustrations. I have two that I'm thinking about. I doubt I'll get them made. Maybe one of them. But I'm also doing, I shouldn't tell this. This should be my secret. It's okay. But I'm letting you guys. Um, <laughs> I'm working on a Stations of the Resurrection. Because people are like, hey, you have all the you know Stations of the Cross up. But then, and then it's like, oh, he's alive and see you later. You know, right. but so then. I've been, I started on this last year. I couldn't get it done in time for last year. And then COVID hit and then it didn't matter. Um, so I've been just looking at like, what are all the things that Jesus is resurrecting mm-hmm. before he ascends? Oh, yeah. And so making like stations of that, like for one, he, who's the first preacher of the resurrection story? Uh, it's Mary. Mm. So he's resurrecting. Uh, women preachers. Preach on. <laughs> <laughs> and uh like yeah, all of these all of these things. Excellent. Uh, looking at it through that. And um that's gonna be fun. That is awesome. Thanks for giving us a peek. <laughs> that's really exciting. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So well so just to close things out, is there anything what like your not necessarily your life message but whatever god's like pressing you with right now that you feel like if you can get this thought process or message to more people you want to share it with as many people as will hear it on this show hmm i mean i i think it's really that telephone analogy has really yeah. been uh making me giggle mm-hmm. and giving me some things um i there was a there was a season where I felt very stale in my faith. Mm-hmm. And I just remember just praying, just being like, where can I find you? Just yeah. like, I don't know where to find you. And I, I heard the spirit whisper to me saying, 
look for me and everybody you meet. I'm hanging out there. Nice. And that is like the invitation. And I think that is constantly because um, unless like I'm sure there's people out there who are better humans than me. So listen to a person who's not as great as a human as you. I meet a lot of I'm I'm interacting with people who I don't like yeah. and are very it's very hard to find um the divine in them. Honor. And so that yeah. that invitation always is just especially when I want to dismiss a lot of people who I've only seen through screens, mm-hmm. you know, that's like one thing where I was like all of these politicians that they're talking about, I've actually never seen them in real right. life. I've only seen them through screens. Yeah. And I've only seen a real three-dimensional human being through a two-dimensional plane. Right. And so how do we find touch points of grace and divine sight in all of that? In everybody we see or meet, and um, that'll fill you with wonder if you just if you happen to be, there's not a lot of rooms we're in anymore with lots of people, but say the grocery store when we have masks on and stuff, uh, just like, go, like there's a telephone in everybody here, I you love know? It. And like, and it, you're just like, Whoa, what's happening? It just, it, yeah. It's, it's a, it's almost a form of mindfulness, I guess, huh? Yeah, yeah it is. It really I is. It really is. It's a form of mindfulness and like empathy mm-hmm. and, um, yeah. Cause then, cause then you're having to go, what you're do, what you're doing is you're going, Oh, God is already intimately involved with their yeah. life. And I know nothing about God's knowledge of them. So I, I should try to listen to that. I mean, that, that is my work when I do spiritual direction yeah. is to, my teacher told me what you're doing is you're gazing at the one you love uh, who's gazing at someone they love. And so okay. you're, yeah, that's what you're, you're trying to have the perspective of the one who loves them. Yeah you know, who they, who God calls their beloved. You're trying to see their belovedness from that perspective. And what's great about doing that is because then you get to see that that's how God sees you too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, And then you you connect with your true identity. Thanks for bringing it back around to our message. I'm not saying there aren't (laughs) a-holes in the world. I'm just saying like, that's the work I try to do. (laughs) That's really good. I accomplish it every day. (laughs) Really good. Thank you so much, Scott. I really appreciate you being here, being open, sharing things you weren't sure you wanted to share. That's the best. We appreciate you (laughs) and we can't wait to dig into Honest Advent. Have an awesome day. It's going to be awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. Check back here for new episodes dropping every other Thursday. You can follow along on social media at Collected Ministries. If you would like to support Collected by making a tax-deductible contribution, please visit collectedministries.org donate. The Collected Podcast is also on Patreon at patreon.com slash thecollectedpodcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Become a patron for as little as a dollar a month to gain access to bonus content, early bird ticket sales, giveaways, and more. You can also find Tia at Tia McNelly Notes and Jess at Spreza Foundry. Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to support and prevent unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. The Collected Podcast is produced by Jess Biondo and edited by Jacob Early. Music is by Asaf Elan.